probably a word uh, that no one likes to hear uh, is the word COVID. Uh, many of us uh, may have lasting memories of COVID. Uh, but when we think back to COVID, we think of the measures that were taken uh, to contain the spread of a virus. Uh, that people and our, our medical experts uh, treated it with great care and treated it as a very serious matter and as a result took uh, steps to uh, avoid the spread of that virus. A person could pick up that virus without warning and because of the potential transmission to others, especially to those uh, of weaker immune systems, it was treated as a very serious matter and people would be isolated from others in the community in order to avoid that spread. As we come to the book of Leviticus this evening, we have been looking at a section of Leviticus that is really dealing with what we call the holiness code, or sometimes known as the purity laws. Uh, the people of Israel were to learn a very foundational uh, truth, a category of thinking, and it can feel very alien to our modern way of life. It was looking at everything as either clean or unclean. Uh, it was being able to, 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 to divide things uh, between what is acceptable and what is unacceptable. Uh, we looked at that with respect to foods. There were certain things that the Israelites were allowed to eat and other things that were deemed inappropriate, unclean or impure. The same is true when we looked at even uh, a person's own physical health. Uh, there can be bodily fluids, there can be blockages, uh, but that can be something that renders a person unclean or ceremonially uh, impure, uh, ritually unclean. This evening we're looking at skin diseases. Uh, we're looking at uh, things that can come upon our bodies and how that rendered a person unclean uh, to be able to come into the tabernacle of God. And again, all of this can feel very alien, except when we just step back and think about COVID. We remember how serious a matter a virus was treated, that as a community, people took extraordinary measures to be able to separate what they thought was clean versus what is deemed unclean or something that is contaminated. Something that is a virus is something that is serious and therefore to be treated in a serious way. That helps us understand what the people of Israel were being taught. To be unclean is a serious matter. And it's a serious matter because they're dealing with a holy God. At the conclusion of these chapters in chapter 15, it says, Thus uh, you shall keep the people of Israel separate from their uncleanness, lest they die in their uncleanness by defiling my tabernacle that is in their midst. Uncleanness was a problem if they were to come into the presence of the holy. To be unclean exposed oneself to a vulnerable state of God's judgment. Because God is a God who is holy, in whom there is no impurity, and in whom there is no unwholesomeness. And so to be able to have fellowship with God, we are to be taught that we need to be clean, even as God himself is pure. And this evening we want to see uh, a reality that, uh, again, is being impressed upon the people. Not just in terms of food. Every time they ate, is this clean or is this unclean? 
Every time uh, that they're uh, uh, living their lives, as they think about going to the tabernacle, am I clean or am I unclean? Am I barred from the, the tabernacle? Here we see that playing itself out, even in terms of their own skin diseases as well. And we want to see that uh, because we are unclean, uh, we need God's cleansing. We want to look at these two chapters together this evening. Uh, we could look at them uh, independently of one another, um, but they're both dealing with the idea of uh, what it says is leprosy or skin diseases. Uh, and so they're dealing with a common theme. We really want to bind them together. In Leviticus 13, it's really talking about identifying uncleanness. How do you know if you're unclean? And then in chapter 14, it's dealing with how does one become clean once again? And how do they get restored to their former place when they have recognized that they were unclean? And so we want to look at these two chapters broadly in that light. We want to think about identifying uncleanness and then secondly, cleansing uh, from that uncleanness. But we're looking at a large uh, passage this evening and it, it could be easy for us uh, to get lost in all the details and even the repeated sayings uh, that come up in these two chapters. But Leviticus 13 is really a variety of cases describing the visible condition of a person's skin. It would include like, uh, for instance, in verses 2 through 8 of chapter 13, minor swellings and rashes. In verses 9 through 17, chronic skin diseases. In verses 18 through 23, diseases and scars. In verses 24 through 28, burns. In verses 29 through 37, unhealthy marks on the scalp or on the beard. And then finally, at the end of the chapter, it deals with false alarms, uh, the discoloration of the skin, and with baldness, uh, where baldness itself does not render a person unclean. But all of this is talking about different conditions of the body and being able to say, does this make a person fit to come into God's presence? Or does this bar a person from coming to the tabernacle? In chapter 13 though, at verse two, it says, uh, when a person has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption, and it turns into a case of leprous disease on the skin of his body, it shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons, the priests. Uh, it's good uh, to be able to note up front that when we uh, read there uh, the mention of leprous disease, um, we shouldn't equate it necessarily with uh, the, the technical idea of leprosy today or Hansen's disease um, uh, all the time. We know that because in these chapters, leprosy is associated not just with a person's physical body. Uh, the word leprous disease is also applied to clothing and to a house. And so it's best to understand this word, a leprous skin disease, as an a all-encompassing word uh, to capture things like, you could say, leprosy, but to talk about any unwholesomeness, an unwholesome mark, uh, on the body or the clothing or uh, on, uh, in a house. And so it is a, an all-encompassing general term. But notice what is happening here. As it talks about the eruption or a spot, a swelling, a rash, uh, a mark on the body, a person, to know if they were clean or unclean, was so serious a matter that it wasn't left to the individual themselves. 
It wasn't just for them to kind of deem whether or not they thought they were good or bad in this sense, but rather they were to approach the priest. The priest was consulted. The priest was involved in this whole enterprise, and it was, it was the priest who would make a verdict and pronounce a judgment whether they were clean or unclean. And as mentioned in these chapters, you notice how serious this whole enterprise was taken. Because it's not just dealing with uh, skin uh, issues, but it's also something that uh, dealt with even uh, their clothing and even their house. A contaminated spot on their clothes was something that they could try to rescue. They could wash their articles of clothing, and if, if the mark faded, if the mark went away, then their clothes were spared. If they couldn't get that mark out, then ultimately it would be uh, torn off or it would ultimately be burned. Uh, they would lose uh, that clothing. But it was, it was a cutting off because they didn't want uncleanness to affect them. Even more serious is how it was dealt with in their houses. Uh, if one's house had an unwholesome mark in it, then again it involved the priest. And even if they tried to remove some of the stones and the mark came back, then their whole house had to be torn down, that they had to rebuild a new home. That's, that's, a, that's an extreme measure to take in order to avoid being unclean. And so all of this is stressing the seriousness of uncleanness. It's something that touched on every aspect of their life. But why does a skin disease make a person unclean? One way to think about that is to think about leprosy or a skin disease as causing a person to resemble the dead uh, since their skin was decomposing. You remember in the Old Testament uh, when, uh, when Moses was being opposed by his own siblings, uh, when Aaron and Miriam uh, contended against Moses. And you remember as a result of that, God brought judgment on Miriam. And Aaron cried out on behalf of his sister because her flesh was looking like death. Uh, it says uh, in the Old Testament that Aaron said, let her not be as one dead whose flesh is half eaten away. And so the skin disease is, is a visible sign of degeneration. It is something that is uh, associated with death. A diseased person then was barred from the tabernacle uh, because that disease is uh, associated with anything uh, unclean and unwholesome. And so on the spectrum, it is on the opposite side. God, who is life itself, is not uh, to be associated with that which is unwholesome or that which is marked as deteriorating into death. And so this whole uh, practice is uh, shaped by two questions. Uh, the first question is, is whether the hair on the affected area of their body, if the hair is turned white. Uh, if the skin is decomposed, if the skin is dying, it can adhere to the, the hairs of the body and it will give it a white appearance. The second question is whether or not the mark on the body was deeper than the surface of the skin. And if it was inconclusive or if it wasn't shown uh, convincing to the priest, it would be something where they were shut up uh, for seven days. And he would examine them again to see if there's a change. Has it healed? Has it gotten worse? Is it spreading? But if the priest comes to the conclusion, no, this is something that is spreading. 
you're, you're unclean. It's, it started in motion a whole chain of events that would alter this person's life. They would, they would have to express their, their, their state of uncleanness. They would tear their clothes. They would let their hair hang loose. A sign to others that they are unclean. So that anyone approaching them would know that they are ritually unclean. They themselves cannot come into the presence of God. It was also a sign of mourning. Uh, much like today, if someone's going to a funeral, they might wear black clothes. It is a sign of grief to tear one's clothes, to let one's hair hang loose. And so that was uh, the idea of what they were uh, doing through that visual sign. But they were also to cry out, impure or unclean, unclean. They were announcing their state. They recognized it and they were telling others of their condition. And then finally, they had to live outside the camp. And so they're removed from the tabernacle where God's presence, the holiness of God is. They can't be even within the encampment of those who are deemed clean. They're farther away on the spectrum. They're now in the unclean territory outside of God's people. And so they live outside the camp. And so all of this may sound strange. And yet, oddly enough, it may sound very familiar. Because like a virus, sin is something that pollutes. That like a virus, sin is something that spreads. That like a virus, sin is something serious. And the people of God were to learn that sin is something that they need to deal with. Because their God is a God who is of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. Jesus teaches the same thing, doesn't he? Even in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than that your whole body be thrown into hell. Jesus didn't belittle sin. And Jesus didn't belittle sin because he knew the holiness of God. Jesus treated sin as something serious because it is a contamination. It is something unwholesome before a God who is perfectly pure. And if we, if we don't have a sense of the seriousness of, of sin, then it's because we haven't understood the holiness of God itself. This is, this is where you really start to see the differences even between people of different religious faiths. They may ascribe that there is a God, but their view of God is going to be mirrored by their understanding of the seriousness of sin. Is our sin something serious? Is God a God who is righteous towards sin? Is God a God who is uh, uh, opposed to sin and all that is evil? And here Jesus himself is telling us sin is serious. And it would be better to lose a member of the body than to ultimately go to hell with our sin. And so here in the same way, the people of Israel are learning, it would be better for you to lose your house than to ultimately be cut off from communion with the living God. It would be better for you to lose that article of clothing than to lose fellowship with the living God. That you should appreciate the importance of the community of God's people and the privilege of being able to have access before God and not treat it in a cavalier way. 
So the people here are learning, even in a very um, down-to-earth way, clean, unclean, clean, unclean. It's all around them. It's, it's in the things they eat. But clean and unclean is something that also touches home about them. They are to learn when they are unclean. When they themselves see uncleanness, they need to be able to identify it and to be able to respond accordingly. But Leviticus 14 goes on to talk about cleansing the uncleanness. And it's important that as we turn to chapter 14, that we understand what it is and what it is not talking about. Leviticus 14 is not talking about how to be healed of uncleanness. Leviticus 14 is talking about what to do when you are healed of your uncleanness, when the skin disease goes away. This is how they now will be ritually restored to a state of purity. When they have been healed and there's no longer that disease on their body, now they can be examined by the priest. Now the priest can go through the steps of bringing them ultimately back into the, the people of God so that they can be restored. We're told about a three-stage purification process. Uh, it involves two wild birds, cedar wood, scarlet yarn, hyssop. Uh, there would be a ceremony. The priest would kill one bird. He would take the other bird and he would dip it in a, a bowl that would have the blood of the first bird and some living or fresh water mixed together. Both blood and water are pictures of cleansing agents. And so this live bird would be dipped in the, the earthen vessel, that bowl of blood and water, and then would be set free. The person themselves would be sprinkled with the blood. They, they themselves would be cleansed as a result of this whole thing. And as a result, they would be able to now come into the camp, but they would stay outside their tent for a week. The second stage involves the shaving off of all of their hair, and then they would be fit to go to the tabernacle. And the third stage was the offering of their sacrifices. Two male lambs, one ewe lamb, and a grain offering. And here the priest is really presenting the person before the king to let them be accepted and recognized as clean one who would be uh, uh, restored uh, to a state of purity. The priest would offer up the guilt offering, the sin offering, the grain offering, the whole burnt offering, uh, but there are slight differences as well. Uh, some of those differences are very uh, interesting. Uh, for instance, the blood is applied to the individual and not to the altar. Another difference is, is that the oil is placed on his head, just like Aaron. You remember when Aaron was consecrated as a high priest, the oil was placed on his head. Now this leper is being consecrated. You belong in the people of God. You're clean. And they're set apart with that anointing as well. And so in all these ways, there's uh, parallels, but uniquenesses as well to the cleansing of a leper. A leper whose body had been tormented by decay and by de degeneration had been, uh, had been restored, but they had been healed, and now they were declared clean. Their prior experience of being shut out, of being excluded outside the camp, shouting out unclean, is no longer their 
reality. They are now declared clean. And in verses 18 through 20, it says that three times. The priest will make atonement for them. The priest will make atonement for them. That's how they come back into the camp. If they were healed, there was this grand ceremony that accompanied it so that everyone knew this person was recognized as clean. But as mentioned, the skin disease was really a visible sign of sin's damage and the pollution that uh, sin brings. It brings death. If you have a skin disease, you know something's not right. You look at it and you know this is unwholesome. You know because it's different. But sin is something that can become strangely normal to us. We just assume it is the way things are always. But the people were to learn, even when they looked at skin disease, this is not the way it should be. This is an unwholesome sight. I don't like this. And they were to long for a better state. They were to long to be made whole. They were to long to be pure and clean. Sin disfigures us. It results in us being defiled. That's what the people were to learn from all of this. Sin is a picture. Oh, uh, uh, their skin disease was really a picture of the ugliness of sin and how sin contaminates us. But all of that is really a lesson for them. It is, again, it's a living parable to learn about sin. That just as they can be diseased on their skin, so we can be people who are contaminated and are contaminated by nature, morally or spiritually. You remember when Isaiah had his vision of the Lord. He saw the king, the Lord, uh, seated on his throne, high and lifted up, and the seraphim around him who were shouting out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. All of the earth is full of his glory. Do you remember how Isaiah responded to that? He pronounced a woe on himself, a judgment on himself. He did that because he had first understood the holiness of God and then descended to understand his own defilement. But what did he base that woe on? Woe is me, for I dwell amongst a people of uncleanness, but because I am a man with unclean lips. Isaiah understood that sin or his disease of sin is not just on him, it's something that proceeds out of him. It is a part of him. It is part of his being. And Isaiah was confessing that he is someone who is unclean and someone who needs to be made clean in God's sight. When you come to the New Testament, you see Jesus doing many miracles. We're told about how Jesus heals many people with different diseases. He heals, for instance, lepers. Right after the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus comes down from the mountain. A leper comes up to Jesus and says to him, if you will, you can make me clean. There's lots of interesting notes on that. Because in the Old Testament here, we're told that no one should approach a priest until he has been healed. 
And then the priest is to bring him through the process ceremonially of being cleansed. But the leper comes to Jesus before he's been healed, asking Jesus to heal him. But that's not the only thing, because when, Jesus comes, when he comes to Jesus, he asks him, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus reaches out his hand and says, I will be clean. And the man was healed of his leprosy. But it's not just that he was healed, that is the miracle there. It's the fact that Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. The leper, the priest in the Old Covenant, he would examine the clothing. He would examine the house. He would examine the skin area. But you don't read of him touching the person. He's not wanting to become unclean himself. He's simply detecting, identifying, marking if this is clean or unclean. But Jesus, when the leper said, if you will, you can make me clean, Jesus said, I will, and then touched him. Jesus healed him, but he heals him by identifying with his misery. He identifies with his misery by bearing the penalty of sin himself, by becoming sin, in order to cleanse us, as the writer of Hebrews says, from an evil conscience. He takes away our sins in order that we can be made clean. And then Jesus sends the man on. Go to the priest and show yourself to him as a proof to them. How can a person know that they are clean? We have to first ask ourselves, have you ever come to that conviction where you know before God you're unclean? Do you know that before God there is a disease about you? But then, if you have come to that conclusion, have you also come to know that in Christ you can be cleansed and made whole? That's what Jesus came to do through his death on the cross. But how can we know that we're clean? That leper knew he was clean because he saw it. He knew he was clean because Jesus had healed him. And he knew that he was clean because of the word that Jesus gave to him. Go to, the, go to the priests and show yourself. And in a similar way, we have to be able to face our sins on that basis. How can I know that I'm clean and that I can come into God's presence? How can I know that I am clean and that my past no longer defines me? That I don't have to live separated from God and ultimately, it's on the basis of what Christ has done and on the basis of Christ's word. That in Christ, we can be healed of our sickness. In, our, in Christ, we can be healed of our sins. The good news of the gospel is, is that those who are unclean can be made fit to stand in God's presence through the atoning work of the Lord Jesus. You can be clean if you trust in the Lord Jesus.